0: You know, what maybe said then is the beauty of the church, isn't it? That's exactly what it is. It's the beauty of the church, and it's about us all standing in our own place and supporting each other, and, you know, we're living stones, aren't we, that are part of this house, like Barry said, of who, uh, who we are and uh, the people that we are able to reach out to as Hope Church. Um, do you know what? We've just if you saw me leave the meeting before, it was because I suddenly realized how many children were in the building and walked out to see our kids' leaders. And I'm like, do you need extra helpers? And they're like, yeah, the room is packed. I've just seen how many young people have walked out to go into, into youth church. You, we are blessed. We are blessed. Like, we're nearly at the back. We're going to have to look at these chairs for next week's because we're not going to be able to fit everybody in soon. Aren't we blessed? We know, don't we, that God's favor is on the church. Um, So if you're new today, it's your first time, we've been expecting you, and you might think, how? But that's because God's told us that he's building this church, and he's building it with you, and he's building it with me. And so we pray every week for all the new people that are going to be coming in on the Sunday. So you've been, um, we've been preparing for you, and we're glad that you're with us. And you're not a guest. You can be a guest for this week, because we're sure you're going to come back, because we see faces come back and keep coming back and making this place home. And, uh, and and you're just going to become a part of it. And you're going to be part of creative teams and media teams and worship teams. And you're going to be part of this great thing that God is building. Um, so I don't know, uh, some of you will remember about the great quandary me and our children have. Um, because we live in a close where um, people take a pride in their Christmas decorations outside the house. Yeah, yeah. Does, does anybody, do people know the, the situation that, me and the children find ourselves in, and that is that Barry won't put up decorations outside. Um, so I don't, Kathy, did you get the pictures? Have any pictures come over to you for me? We arrived home the other day to find that the house next door, who was already glamorous last year, have gone even bigger and even better, right? Like this is just one of the houses. Can I, well, if a course feedback for coming down here with the microphone on. Okay, right. They now have lights around the grass, right? So, but we are, like, look at that. I mean, like, and, and Barry's like, yeah, but you just don't want to have to fit in, do you? I'm like, I don't want to fit in. I just want some Christmas decorations outside the house, love. Um, anyway, then, so we are, we are making movements in the right direction because this is what we have on our house currently. Um, oh, no, not that. That's for next week. Let's take her <laughs> off. It's all right. It's just because I fired loads of stuff. at da I'm telling you, right, this this was made um, last year by Fatmon and Sophie and has been added to this year by Sophie. And then we arrived home last night to find out that Sophie and the boys, because I went and bought outdoor lights without Barry present. Uh, so we are going to have lights outside our house properly by the end of tonight. So <laughs> just because we are family in here and I know that you all feel my pain because of what we have to endure every year. Honestly, we were the only house in the close last year with nothing outside our house. There was another house, and we were like, okay, we're not going to be the only ones. We're not going to be the only ones. And then like five days before Christmas, we drove up, and there was a reindeer on the grass, and we're like, we are the only house. And it's embarrassing, but here you, there you go. So the Christmas story, what does the Christmas story conjure up in your mind um, we don't normally do audience participation. I might regret this, but here goes. If I say the Christmas story to you, what comes to mind? Birth of Jesus. What else? Donkey. Wise man. Daniel. Baby Jesus. God, like, I know some of you are so talkative and you've gone quiet, so don't I like, have me on because I know, like, Okay, anything else? So we've got the wise men, the donkey, Jesus, Mary. Guam. Gabriel. Gabriel. Yeah. Um, the star. Family. Family. Yeah. family, very good, Derek. That's that one not one on my list. Well done. Thinking out the box. Yeah. The saviour. If, if we talk about the Christmas story, we generally think about things like the nativity scene and the words that are, you know, peace on earth and goodwill toward men. And, and we, we, we have things that we almost live in a box when the Christmas story can be mentioned. But here's the thing. The very essence of Jesus is life-changing. Jesus is is the savior of the world. Jesus is the life-changer. Jesus is the life-giver. So I don't believe that the Christmas story is seasonal. I believe that the Christmas story is something that is not one-dimensional and it's not just there for for seasonal purposes—it's just that we pull it out in December. Everybody pulls out the Christmas story in December. Everybody pulls out the death and crucifixion of Jesus at Easter, don't they? But these stories—and and when I say stories, I don't mean make-believe stories. Hear, hear what I'm saying? I, you know, I'm meaning true-life stories. They—we box them in as seasonal things. And so I've been looking at the Christmas story, and I love looking at stories um, and looking. Okay. God, what is the life-changing message? Because in the, in the Christmas story, we would say the life-changing message is that the Savior of the world was born. And that's absolutely right. You're like, nothing more life-changing than the Savior of the world, is there? But I believe there's other lessons in there that we can apply to our life. And through the, the month of December, in the lead-up to our big Sunday, which is the 17th of December, we're going to be looking at different aspects of the Christmas story Everything about Jesus is life changing, everything. So I am just in my own personal study breaking down the Christmas story and looking at it and, and looking at my life beyond December. <laughs> beyond the 25th of December, when we all that's the day we all celebrate Christmas. Um, and some people would say, Well, it's it, it, it's not the 25th of December, and other people, you know, really all the 25th of December is, is a day that we set aside that we mark it, but Jesus is to be celebrated the whole year through. This wasn't just a story about a young couple with an unplanned pregnancy or a young couple with a surprise pregnancy. Like, I get surprises in pregnancy, right? I've had five. So the biggest surprise, well, I don't know whether it was the biggest surprise, but the first surprise we ever had was, you're having twins, (laughs) And I'm like, are you kidding me, right? Because that was the biggest shock ever. We did not expect to have twins. And and I spent the rest of it, lay on the scan bed, going (laughs) with my hands. I didn't even look at the screen to see them both together because I was just in utter shock. And Barry trying to tell the lady, who was the head of ultrasound, right? Because I used to work in ultrasound, so I knew how clever this woman was. Have you made a mistake? And I'm thinking, this lady does not make mistakes, Barry. If she says there's two, there are two. And then we had Eleanor, who was our fourth. We went from one to three. We had Sophie, the boys. Then we went to Eleanor. She was a shock, a great blessing. With all of these children, I'm not saying they're not blessings, Hear what I'm saying. She was a shock. We didn't expect to have um, a fourth child. And then, can you imagine when the fifth one came along? Like, that was a shock as well. Like, we thought we'd stopped at the twins. And then we ended up with Charlotte and Eleanor, absolute joys. And, and God has a plan for their life. I remember meeting my mum in the car park in Asda and actually being really nervous to tell my mum that I was pregnant with the fifth one. And, and they're meeting me at Asda, and I think I looked really rough because she asked me, was, like, was I all right? Do you remember it, mum? And, and me saying to her, oh, mum, I'm pregnant. And I'm and saying, Vicky, uh, I can't remember the exact words, but what she was saying there's a point to this child's life. And there's a little child in there that's saying, mummy, don't forget me. Mummy, don't forget me. And you know what? Our our Charlotte, she does say that, doesn't she? She'll say, don't forget me. And how can anybody forget Charlotte? She's that loud. That was Charlotte that did uh, 60 seconds of hope. I'm not quite sure what hope quite came out of it. But all she wanted to do was get off and play. Um, So every child is significant. Absolutely. Every single child is significant. I know I wasn't planned Right, my mom's eldest was 19 when she had me. I wasn't planned, but I was significant. My life was significant. Um, and so every, every single child is significant, but there was something about the birth of Jesus. Because with Jesus in me, I am a life changer because I carry Jesus in me. But it all began at the birth of Jesus. And the birth of Jesus was something, it wasn't a shock probably was to Mary and Joseph to be fair. But it wasn't a shock in the sense of approximately seven years before there were prophecies about what was gonna come. There were prophecies in the Old Testament about this child that was going to be born. There's many of them, I'm just gonna read two of them just to give you a bit of a backdrop that maybe you're not used to church and you're here today and maybe you just think about, well, it's Christmas really about the whole nativity thing or but But this is so significant. The birth of Jesus was so significant because he was going to change everything. Everything was going to change with his birth. Everything. Eternity changed with his birth. And it was so significant that 700 years prior to this, there were prophecies. Seven years prior to this, it was, it was predicted, so seven, 700 years prior to this, it was predicted. And it says this, so first of all, the first one I'm going to read is where the place of his birth was predicted. This is 700 years before it happened. It says in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, are only a small village among all the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel, whose origins are in the distant past, will come from you on my behalf. 700 years ago, before his birth, it was already said where it was going to happen. This was well planned. (laughs) From the beginning of time, this was well planned. That baby in a manger wasn't just another baby. It was a significant moment for the rest of time. And then the person who he would be born to, 700 years before she ever even knew about it. In Isaiah 7, 14, it says this, All right, then, the Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So just from those two prophecies alone, When this happened, when Mary became pregnant, and then she ended up going to Bethlehem, where she gave birth, it would already been told that this would be significant. So, for these things to happen, for these things to be fulfilled, for these prophecies to be fulfilled, like nobody needed to question how significant. Nobody should have needed to question how significant this birth was because it had been told 700 years ago that the Messiah was coming. It was told 700 years ago that the Savior of the world was coming and that he would be born in Bethlehem and that he would be born to a virgin. This was well planned out. The story was significant, but it was also challenging from the very, very outset. I think sometimes our lives are challenging and we face challenges and and if you're um, If you're a Christian or if you're not a Christian, sometimes you can think, where's God in all of this? Where's God? How could God let that happen? Why am I going through what I'm going through? Where's God in all of this? And often we turn what is human mistakes onto God, onto a good, good God. And we turn that, and we turn it around, and we turn it into God. But here's the thing with Mary and Joseph, Their journey in the part of this great plan was not a straightforward journey. It was not an easy journey for them. It was not like what we have when we give birth. Or if you know somebody who has a baby, it wasn't like that. It was completely challenging from the outset. You think about it, you've got Mary, a young girl. She's approximately 14 years old and she's engaged to be married to Joseph. Joseph. And everything's going according to plan. Ever had that? When everything's going according to plan and there's a an mighty big clangor gets dropped right in the middle of it. She's engaged to be married to Joseph. And she ends up pregnant. In that day and age, the stigma attached to being an unmarried mother in that culture, in that era, every single thing about it. She would have been persecuted. She would have been slandered. She would have been an outcast. So God's great plan was challenging. But here's the thing, when the going gets tough, God's plan is always perfect. If you've got tough stuff going on in your life at the moment, and I've had tough stuff going on in my life, it doesn't mean that God's plan isn't perfect, and it doesn't mean that I'm not in his plan. As long as I know him, as long as I'm praying to him, and I'm talking with him, and I'm walking with him, I know that I'm in his plan, and I know that no matter what else is going on around me, his plan is perfect, and his plan is good. It says in Luke chapter 1, verse 34, so... Mary has an angel, I'm sure you all know this, even if you've never been to church before, you've probably heard it in school, it to, the angel Gabriel appears to Mary and says to Mary that she's going to have a baby. So Mary asks the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. Mary's showing a natural self then. Straight away she's questioning it, how, how can this be? How and the angel goes on and explains why. I'm not going to read many verses out of the Christmas story because I've got all the verses I want to read later. But the angel goes on and explains how it's going to happen. And the key part of this for me isn't about Mary questioning. The key part for me isn't necessarily what the angel said. The key part to me is what happens in verse 38. And it says, Mary responded. It doesn't say Mary panicked. It says, Mary responded. I am the Lord's servant. I am yours. I am yours. That's what she's saying to God. God, I am yours to do with what you know is right to do with. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. She's made herself available. She's made herself available not because it was easy. Do you not think Mary realized what was attached, the stigma that would be attached to what was about to come out. She didn't do it because it was easy. She did it because she knew it was right. And she knew that when the going gets tough, God's plan is always perfect. Because she knew him. And then the angel left her. And then we've got Joseph who's engaged to be married to a beautiful young woman to find out she's pregnant and it's not his they are both thrown into a major quandary here a major major life changing but without we taking god out the equation to start with That the surroundings and what was happening to them was life changing was actually life destroying for where they lived joseph to whom she was engaged was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly So he decided to break the engagement quietly. Joseph had a plan. Joseph was like, I can't, I can't go along with this. I can't, she's been unfaithful to me. She's so, but I'm not going to be hard on her. I'm not going to disgrace her. I'm going to do the right thing and I'll do it quietly. I'll do it quietly so she's not out there in the public eye. And he thought it through and then the angel appears to Joseph. You know, everything changes when God speaks. Everything changes when God speaks. And it says in verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded and he took Mary as his wife. So in this dream, as the angel appeared to Joseph and told Joseph what was happening and told Joseph, there's no need to worry. This child is mine. It's sent by me. It was challenging from the outset, but this couple... This couple, they were like, when the going gets tough, my God's plan is perfect. When the going gets tough, my God's plan is perfect. When the going gets tough, my God's plan is perfect. So they had a confidence in him. They had a confidence to follow the plan. If they followed the plan without putting their own little bit on it, without going into panic mode, because they knew God, they knew that it was all going to come right. They just had to follow the plan and they had to follow him. If you think about it, the virgin birth, as I've said, there was a stigma attached to that. Who is going to believe the virgin birth? Could you imagine now if that came out? Like, I know we we're living in a, in a different like, age, but it would be all over the media. It would be on Facebook. It would be everywhere. They would be absolutely mocked. They would be mocked. Nobody would believe it. They would say they were mad. This could never happen. And then comes the census where they have to leave and they have to travel to Bethlehem so that they could be counted as part of the census. And the journey, the journey to Bethlehem as a heavily pregnant woman on a donkey. I, I had to ask Barry this question this morning because he's, he's a bit cleverer than me with maths. Um, the distance they had to travel was 92 miles approximately. I could really go into it and tell you the two different ways they could have gone and the way that they probably went because the other one was too dangerous, but I'm not going to go there. And on a donkey, you could probably cover three miles an hour, right? So I worked this out. Somehow I got 276, and I'm there thinking, I don't think that's right. So I'll ask Barry, I don't know if have got 276. It's a good job that uh, you love me for other reasons than me, Matt. It would actually take just over 30 hours on a donkey, to get down to Bethlehem to do what was ordered of them. They had to go down, they had to be counted. So they've got the stigma and the chitter chatter of people. They've got the census where they're being ordered by somebody to go to this place, not taking into account their circumstances. Then they've got the long journey, which is not just a a journey down to London, is it? It's a a hard journey, it's going through valleys, it's going up mountains on a donkey and you're heavily there. And then you get there, and they must have been exhausted. They must have been exhausted. Think about this. It's not just the journey. It's the emotion of everything that's gone on before. And they arrive there very, very clear at what the predicament that Mary's in, because by now she's going to be like this, isn't she? And they start to knock on the doors of the inn, and they get rejected. They get rejected. Nobody wants to take them in. Because in Bethlehem, it was heaving because the census, everybody was having to come into Bethlehem for the census. So people's greed kicked in. People's greed, suddenly when greed kicks in, compassion gets left to one side, doesn't it? And so greed kicks in and everybody's in's full and, and it makes a lot of money, doesn't it? And, and you don't want a sob story if you think you can make some money. And, and so they're getting rejected. Every step of the way, there's rejection. So they get to the final inn, and they're rejected again. Until this man showed compassion. And he showed compassion in the way of a stable. Not of, listen, let me see what I can shift around in the inn. He was like, I've got something out the back, you can use that. The stable was insignificant. (laughs) If you think what these people could have felt through what people had done to them, the talk, the rejection, The being made to feel insignificant, being given a stable out the back. Like it didn't really matter. It didn't matter that Mary was about to give birth. It didn't matter. You're not important. Sticking the stable out the back. Which is more than what the others did for them. You know, I I think that we can all say we've had times where we've felt rejection. I think we would all say we've had times where things have been said about us. I think we would say we've all had times where we've felt insignificant and we've felt like we don't matter. But I want to tell you today, if you are sat in this room and you feel like that, I want to tell you that is not the truth. The truth is that you matter. The truth is that just for you, just for you, God would have sent Jesus. That just for you that your life counts, don't ever think that your life doesn't count, don't ever think that your life doesn't matter, don't base how you view yourself on other people and the way other people are with you, if you only ever base your life and your emotions on other people you will go under because people are not perfect, God is perfect And so you need to know how God sees you, and you need to know that you matter to God, and you need to know that God isn't going to want to just shove you to one side, that God is going to want to raise you up, that God isn't going to want you to be an underdog. God is wanting to raise you up. God isn't wanting you to be timid and frightened. God is wanting to raise you up. So if you've come in here today, maybe with your head down, maybe like you feel that everything is going against you, I want you to tell you today that you can lift your head up and know that God is on your side. And that if God is for you, no one can be against you. If God is for you, no one can be against you. You know, there's a verse in the Bible, and I spoke about this at the ladies' meeting the other week, and it says this, and it's Elisha, the prophet and he says this there are more for you than there are against you you know why because you've got God and you've got the heavenly army on your side that you have God on your side and when you have God on your side you can have a thousand people against you and you will always have more people for you than you have against you because of God and I would say wherever life finds you today put your trust in him because he will not fail you You will fail yourself. I know me and I know my faults. And I know my failings. But I know how God sees me. And I know that despite all of that, I am a conqueror. And that I am victorious. And that I am a new creation. And I'm not the person I used to be any longer because of God. And so all these things that Mary and Joseph went through, you see, they could be so easily applied to our own lives. But they knew that when the going got tough, God's plan was perfect. And they held on to the fact that no matter what is going on, no matter who is rejecting me, no matter, uh, no matter um, whether I'm being made to feel insignificant, it's completely irrelevant, irrelevant because my God's plan is perfect. And then they have the baby, a beautiful baby. Where's Gideon? He's not here, otherwise I might have pinched him. It was probably out the have the baby and then someone sets a trap and someone starts to scheme behind the scenes to kill the baby and to take the life of the child because you see herod was threatened by him king herod was threatened by him because king herod wanted to be the only one he wanted to be top dog so king herod was actually threatened by jesus because he'd heard jesus is the king of kings and so he starts to scheme behind the scenes. He starts to try and manipulate things. The wise men, he got the wise men and he, he lied to them and he manipulated them so that they could lead him to Jesus so that he could kill Jesus. So behind the scenes, there's lots of manipulating and scheming going on. And Mary's got this beautiful baby. Look, there's you, Helen, with a beautiful baby in your arms. And, and then to find out that someone's scheming to take the life of my child. And so then fear can set in. Fear can set in. And it's come out of someone's jealousy. It's come out of somebody else. But it could have been transferred onto Mary. As she sat and cradled the baby in her arms and looked. And why would God do this? Why on earth would God give me this child? I have to come all the way to Bethlehem where I'm rejected. I'm shoved in a stable at the back like I don't matter. And now someone's trying to kill him. God, and this was your plan. Yeah, great. Do you ever feel like that sometimes? Or maybe have you ever felt like that? Maybe you don't anymore. Maybe you've come to a point where you've learned and you know, no, I know God's plan to be perfect. But Mary and Joseph, they could have taken that stance very easily. But you know why they didn't? Because they knew that God's plan would be perfect. They just needed to play their part in it. And so when they hear about Herod and they then have to flee For his life. They have to flee, they have to get out as quick as they can, they have to get him out so that Herod cannot get him and cannot kill him. See, even right back then, as a toddler, the world tried to silence Jesus. He cannot be silenced. He cannot be silenced. He's the king of kings and he's the lord of lords and he's the savior of the world. And as a little one, they try to silence him. And even nowadays, the media, they try and silence Jesus. Other religions, they try and silence Jesus. They try and take away his power. They can't take away his power. They're fighting a losing battle. But we need to rise up. and We need to start proclaiming the name of Jesus. We start, need to start saying, no, you know, this story wasn't a story. It was a significant plan. It was a plan from before time. And so then they have to flee for his life. This was a challenging challenging call that was put on Mary and Joseph. A huge weight of responsibility. Where everywhere they turned, things seemed to be going wrong. Do you want to know how they got through it? Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. That's how Mary got got through it. Mary got through it because she's like, I am yours. She was completely surrendered to God's plan. And what God had for her life. How did Joseph get through it? He did as the angel commanded. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded. And took Mary as his wife as individuals in that moment they may have been a couple and they were embarking on a great journey together but individually when mary had her encounter with the angel and joseph had his encounter with the angel it was their own individual hearts that brought them through their own individual hearts to god of surrender of not me god but you god i am yours God, if this is what you've commanded, I know it's going to be perfect. It might not seem perfect, but I know your plans are perfect and your plans are good. See, when the going got tough, God's plan was perfect. That's why I'm here today. That's why I'm alive today. I'm not just talking with breath even. I'm talking about me, my spirit. That's why I'm alive today. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing that's why i get up in the morning and even when it's tough i have a purpose because that plan back there god's plan back there was perfect and when god did it then he saw all of us and all the people that are to come yes people let mary and joseph down yes there were difficulties yes there was heartache but god's plan remained God's will remained. What God has planned, he will do, irrespective of anyone or anything. It's my heart and my choice that enables me to be a part of that plan. And me saying, yes, Lord, even in the difficult times. Not saying, yes, Lord, when it's all going great. But actually saying, okay, God, you're faithful to me. I'm going to be faithful to you even when it's hard. Even when sometimes you lie in bed in the morning, you're like, I don't even feel like I can get out because I know when I get out and I know when my feet hit the floor, I know what's going to happen because you're in a storm. Because you know what, you don't stay there. Jesus, He lifts you out. Jesus, He brings you out. If we stay surrendered to Him. It doesn't matter what comes against us. It really doesn't. Jeremiah 29, it says this, a really well-known verse, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Was that not God's heart towards Mary and Joseph? Mary and Joseph didn't get the plan. <laughs> they couldn't fathom it all out. They couldn't work it all out. They just knew that God was faithful. And you can almost hear, can't you, a conversation between them both to God saying, you know the plans. You know the plans. When they were being rejected, it doesn't matter, God. You know the plan. You know the plan, God. It's you. It's you. The times they must have talked to God through the difficulty and held on to the fact that God knew the plan and that the plan would be for good and not for disaster and would be for future and for hope. Nothing can stop the plan. We need to keep our heart focused on God and surrendered to God. That was what kept Mary and Joseph, it was their heart towards the call. You know, I um, woke up yesterday morning to a really random message off somebody that I've not seen for years. And I actually messaged them back going, do you realize what you've just sent me? And they were like, I said, because I was thinking, it must have sent me by accident. And, and even when you're in difficulty, God will speak to you. Even when you maybe are in a place where you feel like you're going under, if you allow God to speak to you and to touch your heart, he will take you from strength to strength to strength. He's just waiting for you to to commune with him and to communicate with him and to cry out to him. And, And I got this message yesterday morning and it was Exodus chapter 14, verse 14. Totally random, there was no message attached to it other than this woman had sent me this. And I think Mary and Joseph knew this with whatever was going to go on around them from people. And it just said this, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. How random is that to hit your inbox on a Saturday morning? The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And for Mary and Joseph, they only needed to be still and follow the plan. God was going to sort everything else out. And for us today, if we can take hold of that for our circumstances and any circumstances that may come our way, we don't need to fight anything. We need to be still and allow God. God is the one. God is the one who will fight on our behalf. We just need to be willing. We need to be willing to go along with it. Romans chapter 8 verse 28 says this. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God And are called according to his purpose for them. The schemes, the rejection, the talk, everything they went through. They were following the call that God had got for them. They loved God and they were called according to the purpose that he had for them. And they were faithful to that. Knowing that everything else is all going to work out for the good. And so many times our focus is on everything that's going wrong that we miss the beauty of God's perfect plan. We miss that we don't need to even worry about that because God will fight on our behalf. We only need to be still and know that He is God. And this whole incredible story that we so often box into something seasonal was on the heart of two people who just said, God, I'm yours. I'm yours. And all this other stuff that's going on is not going to be my focus. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. I think that journey for them that they went through, I think they had to trust with all their heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Don't try and work it out. Just know that you're in the will of God. You don't need to work it out because he's got it. Seek his will in all you do. And he will show you which path to take. But Mary and Joseph, God revealed to them when they needed to get out for safety. God revealed to them everything that they needed to know. Because they were seeking him in everything. Just in closing, I just... There's um a beautiful verse out of the the story. And I think this just sums it up. It says Luke chapter 2, verse 19. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. I would pray today that out of this, we take away, that sometimes we just need to stop this. We just need to hide in our heart what God has called us to. Keeping our heart and our heart focused that He's faithful. And that no matter what's going on, we don't need to start going on about it. We don't need to start complaining about it. We just need to say, It's okay. God is going to fight for me and God is going to deal with that for me. I'm going to hide in my heart all these amazing things that God's told me. I'm going to hide in my heart that verse that God gave me yesterday morning. I'm going to hide in my heart all the scriptures that I'm reading when I'm reading the Bible as God is starting to tell me things. The wonderful secrets God's telling me. I'm going to hide them in my heart. And as it says, Mary thought of them often. Shall we just stand just as we close? Then I'm going to hand over to the worship team. I believe this today is just a talk on surrender. A talk on, on making that choice like Mary did where she said, Lord, I'm yours. I'm yours. Let everything that you have planned for me happen. And I believe this is just one of those moments today. And just as we close our eyes and we bow our heads, and, and it is significant, you know, when we lift our hand up and we say, yeah, that's me, that's me. It's an acknowledgement to God that today, God, I'm going to resurrender. Maybe you need to resurrender surrender to God. Maybe you've taken life on, on your own and you're not following God's plan. But just for a moment now, if that's you and you want me to include you in my prayer, just lift your hand up. That's wonderful. Amen. Amen. You know God speaks. Anybody else? Amen. Father God, we thank you. We thank you that you are a God that is living. We thank you that you are a God who has a great plan for our lives. We thank you, are, you that you are a God that speaks. And look, Lord, this morning, Lord, they have been your words that have come out. And so, Lord, my, I, I put myself, Lord, with my hand up as well. And Lord, again, I re-surrender to you, Lord. And I pray, Lord, for every single hand that's come up. Lord, you know their circumstances. You know where life finds them. But today, Lord, we are lifting our hands up and saying, Lord, again, I surrender to you. I surrender to your will. I surrender to your plan and say, whatever your plan is for me, then let it be. Let it be. We thank you that you are a God of peace. Lord, we thank you that you are ministering peace to people in this place now. We thank you that you are a God of joy, that we don't need to be downcast. That no matter what is happening, you have spoken today and we can go out joyful because you are a good, good God. And everybody said, Amen.